everyone and welcome back to the local scene machine podcast i'm your host tristan seegers we have a little bit of a different format this week because i am on location in tacoma washington and i'm hanging out here with prickly paranoia and we're pretty drunk (laughs) you can find these guys on instagram at prickly paranoia and check their stuff out on spotify because as of right now their debut ep prickly is out on all streaming platforms fucking pricks how you guys doing man fuck you i'm doing great i'm so happy you're here like honestly it's great to have you here my producer my best friend what a great time to be alive yeah it's good to have the gang back together i am so stoked to be here um you guys want to introduce yourselves and just talk about what you do in the band yeah so my name's austin and i just back up grace on her songs. I wrote two songs for the EP, the harder song, so I'm more of like the hard rock type songwriting vibe. And Grace comes up with all the lyrics except for Lycan. I did write all those about four years ago when I was living with this asshole, Tristan. <laughs> and that was such a wild time. We were trying to figure out how to record, how to play music, how to do shit. And he really kind of guided me into recording. And so Lycan was my first recording that I did by myself on Studio One. Completely by myself. Sober, by the way. (laughs) So I mean, I wasn't sober, but (laughs) I wrote this song. And that was about four years ago. And yeah, we played a bunch of music back in the day. And this is a dream come true for me to That's release some music. You were just supposed to introduce yourself for this well, first Well, I guess part? I'm chopped liver because I didn't even get to say my name. But well, go ahead. This, take is, the interview. <laughs> this is my bandmate. I'm Grace and I sing and play sometimes bass and sometimes guitar. Yeah, Grace is, without a doubt, the heart and soul of Prickly Paranoia. Yeah, I kind of stole the thunder, man. (laughs) Grace is the band, pretty much. I Um, just support her. Okay, but to touch on something that Grace just said, um, you're saying, like, sometimes bass, sometimes guitar. Um, Right now, you guys are a two-piece, but I know that when we recorded back in January, we have, like, a full instrumental um what are some of the challenges of just being a two-piece and not quite having a full band put together yeah so all of our songs have like four or five parts so when we're playing as a two-piece or three-piece it's challenging to try to pick and choose which parts we want to include but lately i guess i've been playing bass for most of the songs um playing as a three-piece Yeah, the arrangement is really hard to figure out. Like, if we don't have a drummer or an extra guitar player, it's really hard to figure out if it's just two people what we want to play. Do we want to do acoustic 
and electric or electric and bass or what do we want to do sonically speaking and having a drummer really is a whole different experience because the drummer kind of drives the band and it really doesn't matter at that point if we have you know grace playing guitar or me playing bass it's not a huge deal but if we have another guitar player that would really add so much to our sound in general oh yeah and that's one of those things too like um in the recording process you know having one guitar player you have a guy who, who can play rhythm you have a guy who can play leads but like in a live setting it, it's so much different and then you touched on like not having a drummer Shout out fucking Jake. Jake is the shit. I love that guy. Your guys' session drummer just absolutely. What's the name of his band? Um, he's in Ten like three bands. Penny. So what is Silence it? Silence and Silence is Madness. Yes. Uh, Morning High and Ten Cent Revenge. Ten Cent Revenge. Revenge yeah. Yes. Shout out to all those bands. They're so good, and Jake is an amazing fucking drummer. Like like the best session drummer. That Seriously, dude, we gave him like forty eight hours notice, and he murdered those songs. Human metronome. Seriously, he, we'd go. So day one in the studio, we walk in. He's there. He's wearing a ghost t shirt. I'm like, yes, let's <laughs> fucking go. I was a ghost fan from fucking day one, 2012. Oh, like yeah. ordered the whole deluxe album and which which i lost which stole, i lost <laughs> you stole it from me man and you, you get you let me borrow it well and, i let you borrow it and i lost, lost it. it you motherfucker <laughs> the deluxe edition of the opus eponymous or whatever the fuck it is because that band is so good with satan prayer elizabeth like amazing well in like year one and like all those jams like that yeah. that first album was so good year one's the second album but yes the band is great it's a it's a great band and i was really into them and to see him wearing a ghost t-shirt that just sent sent signals to me that this is going to be a good day of recording also he picked our slowest song to put a drum track over and he's the only like his audition audition track yeah Yeah. he's the only musician who did an audition track because we had what like 25 people when we were doing uh pre-production to kind of like be able to kind of hit the ground running when you guys came in and record um i think i reached out to like 10 drummers and sent some like scratch tracks that we recorded in your dad's garage. in my dad's garage that like was 30 sick. below zero in a fucking terrible montana winter crazy cold but those scratch tracks i sent those out to like yeah like probably 10 yeah. 12 drummers and he picked yeah like he literally picked the slowest like not to say like least interesting song but like at the time in terms of scratch tracks like the driest song and he put the most intricate drum beat to it and was just yeah like the clear cut what clear drummer, cut winner for what that. drummer is gonna pick the slowest driest song we have heavy metal ish quotes songs or hard rock songs most drummers would pick those songs 
and like show off their skills. But he picked the slowest, driest song and made it sound so good. Yeah, and the uh, the fills he was doing in the audition like made it pretty much into the final recording. Yeah, like he he, did, he didn't change a whole lot with he what didn't we recorded. Skip a beat. Yeah, it was amazing. And so this guy shows up with a ghost T-shirt. And I ask him, I'm like, so what's your influences? He says, Iron Maiden. I'm like, dude, that's my favorite band from like 12 years old. That's my, the reason I started playing guitar was because of this band. Super cool. So we hit it off immediately. And also he was the only drummer that sent in a recording over our scratch tracks yeah no one else sent that all the other drummers sent like hey here's my like here's my website here's what i've done or like there was some guys who was like oh if you want me to audition for your band it's gonna cost like three hundred dollars and it's like dude i think what we did like i think we only did one day of drums in the studio but it only cost like 200 bucks 250 like that's he fucking he deserved amazing like yes 400 honestly no. this guy killed it like shout out jake the next time that i have a session coming in he deserves way more money than like 250 bucks i i want to like fly the guy out here and like pay to have him live in our house to play <laughs> with us because this guy is so good he's like what 20 or 19 tw- 19 or 20 years old i uh, 21 he's old enough to drink actually yeah, he's I old think. Enough, uh, he's probably but he doesn't 20, drink 21 four, he's, yeah he's very straight edge all about music super cool really relatable and the coolest thing that he did was when i had a suggestion he would just take it and he wouldn't he wouldn't it. he wouldn't argue it he'd be like yeah i'm here for a job and just be like hey on lichen if you want to just hit more kick drum on the chorus instead of snare, he would, he'd listen and he'd fucking do it. And I'd be like, he knows how to speak drums. Like if I was like, if you want to do boom, 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 he'd know what I was talking about Yeah, and just do it. He wouldn't be like, well, this is what I think artistically speaking, but he, I only did that sparingly because artistically speaking quotes <laughs> he really nailed everything else oh yeah what do you think about the uh the drums on the album grace oh jake saved our asses because <laughs> we kind of came to the studio like our scratch tracks were a little bunk like we were not really playing super in time but luckily jake is a human metronome and like didn't even pay attention to our out-of-time guitars and really set the tone for the weekend in the studio. It was like a saving race, too, because we we went into the weekend having, like, we had three days to do it. And, you know, we're, we're doing six songs, like, no matter what. So, like, having, like you guys say, a literal fucking human metronome come in. Like, we got the drums done in six hours, I think. Something like that. that. I think it was a little more than that because we started and we started noon, yeah, and ended at eight. 
I think it was eight hours. Yeah, but just but, it was so nice, like not having uh, to carry the drums into the second day. Yeah, because we got the bass done. Um, also on the first day, we got all the bass for the whole EP like knocked out, and that was fun though. Grace yeah, yeah. was sleeping. <laughs> she was a sleepy girl. Passed out on the couch and in, in the studio. And... Yeah, it was nice though because Jake showed up prepared. He knew all of his parts. And anytime I had a critique, he'd be like, yeah, let's do another take. Very enthusiastic. Just not like, oh, this is how I want it to be. He just said, yep, yeah, I'm going to put my input in here and play what I'm thinking. And if we had something else, I'd be like, hey, man, maybe you do this. And he would completely do exactly what I said somehow because I don't speak drum. I'm not a drummer. Yeah, I'm a guitar player. <laughs> yes, I'm stupid. I'm not a drummer. I can barely play in time. But he understood what I was saying. And he laid the groundwork for the rest of the EP. If we didn't have that amazing on-time drum beats, we couldn't have done it. What if we hired some dude who was kind of bunk? Oh, yeah. It would have been burning a whole day and a half in the studio, two days maybe. Like, yeah. We couldn't have played over it. It would have been horrible. And he killed it. Like, this guy, seriously. I, Jake, I know you're listening. Maybe, I guess I don't know you're listening. But if you are, <laughs> man, like, I'll fucking pay your rent. Fucking come out here, please. Prickly needs a drummer so bad. Oh yeah. Um, and then and then mo- moving like moving past the drums because the first the first day like drums and bass we got the whole rhythm section knocked out and then, um, because you guys came down to Premier Studios, and in Phoenix in Phoenix yeah, you I guys- was living in Montana. And I was living in Virginia, and neither of us could take any time off of work. So we went on, like, a three-day weekend, a holiday weekend. We literally only had those three days. What was it, January? What? Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. MLK Day. Day. Yeah, which is actually, funnily enough, if that's a word. <laughs> I don't know if funnily Fun- is. Funnily. <laughs> but that's um, MLK Day. We were overseas, and that's the first day that we like wrote, wrote a song, first song together wrote a song together in plain sight grace showed me the song and i she played it a few times and i just played the root notes on the bass and then decided oh cool i hear some cool shit played the bass line to the song that you hear in the record right now boom yeah and that was chemistry instantly instant chemistry and it was so cool and we knew we had to be a band from that moment for sure yeah so just for uh, a little clarification you guys are both in the army um and you were both deployed over in in kuwait yeah i was in kuwait for a little bit and then Shortly after, like a week after we did that, made the In Plain Sight song we played. So they had a open mic at the Starbucks, which fun, funnily <laughs> enough, <laughs> there's a Starbucks in Camp Beering 
it feels like home when you go there though because everything's like sand and tan it sucks but they had an open mic run by soldiers over there so we played that song a little bit and someone asked grace they're like so when are you guys recording this or like when are you gonna record this and i was like oh shit i that i was the, the like f- tristan showed me how to record like that was the first time i had ever even considered recording music and releasing music like i had just been playing for fun and I never thought I was good enough to actually release anything. She's amazing, though. The the lyrics are so cool. They're pretty much... They are the exact same as what you hear in the record today. And it really inspired me. So I got sent away to a different duty station during that time for the next six months. And I bought a microphone during that during that time shout out nt1 nt1 let's go it's good stuff guys if you want to record acoustic guitar or vocals <laughs> fucking do it nt1 who the fuck it makes this sponsors are roads yeah roads right? yeah give me a sponsor man <laughs> <laughs> anyways um yeah so i bought the microphone and Grace was like, oh, so you thinking about singing? I'm like, uh, yeah. I'm thinking about you singing. Yeah, exactly. So I didn't even touch it. It, it stayed in the box until I came back to Kuwait six, six months later. And we just met right up back in the chapel. Recorded um, in plain sight. Shell in orbit. I think those are the three songs that we recorded or were like fleshed out a little bit overseas, right? Yeah. Yeah, so um an assumption, right, is Grace is the head songwriter. Yes. Do she- you or like did you write a lot of this stuff before you met Austin and were like working with him? Or is this kind of stuff that you like kind of had in the bank and then once you found like someone to collaborate with you started fleshing out so for the ep the only song i had written before meeting austin was in plain sight which it wasn't even a complete song it was just an idea but lyrics for the other songs i had kind of just like half written like on this google doc that's like 70 pages long of like random notes or like in my phone notepad is pieced all together and stuff yeah and it's a nightmare man (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's better to have a nightmare of a google doc than like in my brain just like nightmare inside of there so good so it's it's great because i can rely on her for the lyrics i am I'm kind of a guitar riff heavy guitar riff. And if I'm going to write lyrics, I'm going to do it in one night, you know, like I'm just going to knock it all out. I might get a little fucked up and just write everything in one session, musically speaking, and then maybe take two or three days to write lyrics and sing over it, which I'm not a singer and I'm clearly yeah, my my vocal confidence declines every day more and more and more and more. That's so sad. <laughs> yeah, dude, seriously, so seriously though, like I I would love to be 
a person who can write a song and sing it, but I don't think my voice has a really good timbre to it. It's pretty shitty. But Grace's is fucking pure and amazing. So I'm I'm just going to play into the strengths of the band at this point. Oh, yeah. And like, you know, not to sound like I'm just pandering, but like, Grace, I love your fucking voice, dude. Like, it's so good. It, it, and it fits so well with like the way you write your lyrics and like the way you like structure your songs. It's it was great. Yeah. The it means whole experience a lot coming from someone who's listened to like hundreds of hours of my voice. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know. Like working on your guys's album, uh, the the recording process, I think we did like what, 58 hours in like three days to get everything recorded. Yeah, and we were it, doing like 20 hour days, which is nuts for six songs. But we so only have exhausting. 24 and 44 minutes of music. But people don't realize that 24 and 44 is that hard to do when it's decent. Oh, yeah. You know, also, I didn't practice leading up to that. I was just a sad mechanic. <laughs> I was working on I was working on fucking trucks in the army living in Montana, just fresh off deployment and moved into a house with people I really don't know that well. And so I didn't practice. I just showed up to the studio, played it, and I played it safe. I wish I would have put myself out there a little bit more and been a little more adventurous in my musical endeavors. Oh, yeah. Well, we See, just really didn't have the time to explore that much. We had in the to play studio. it safe. Like, yeah, because yeah, you guys were talking about like it was over a holiday weekend. You guys couldn't take time off of work. Like the whatever 50 something hours we put in over like the three day weekend. Uh, we were talking about this earlier, but like we literally recorded up until like the minute we had to take Grace to the airport to mm-hmm. go back home. Like yeah. we were doing keys in our studio B and then like we nailed the track at the end, saved it, and then like Dips. took her to the airport to go back Which home. Is and I was time. like power walking through the airport too. Yeah, so it really sucked to drop Grace off at the airport because she really nailed those keys takes which we didn't expect to even record any keys it was it wasn't even like on the agenda like we never planned to do no, keys i don't but think we were so far ahead because jake killed all of the drum takes and we recorded the bass that same night when we had a whole day like half day for bass to record all that and flesh it out but we nailed it and it's so much easier to play bass when you have a great drum track to play to. Well, and I didn't even have to like edit or time align the drums at all. Like motherfucker, I put a click track on and dude hit the click track. Like it was there it. was a couple things I had to fix, but like nothing detrimental major. to like nothing our timeline at yeah. all. Yeah. Nothing that would affect my bass playing that night. So I did all the bass that same night in like what four hours? Yeah. For the whole EP, which was pretty cool. Grace we were was, going till like 3 or 4 a.m. Because I passed out at some point. Uh, I think we were like 2 a.m. I thought that day. Yeah. I don't even... Honestly, I don't remember because like... I just remember the second day we woke up at like 7 a.m. 
and got mm-hmm. up and just went straight back to recording. And we did like 12 hours the I second day. I thought we woke up at like 10 a.m. and you had to like come wake me up. No, that was the first. The other day. That was the, I think the first oh, day yeah. because you guys, got a, you guys got day. an Airbnb like three minutes away from my house. You showed up a day before her. And I think well, my it was, fucking flight got canceled. Oh. Yes, yeah. The first day her flight got canceled. That's right. And, <laughs> that's true. Because and this motherfucker got in, and I had to go to the Airbnb. I was supposed to pick you up at like eight a.m. and go to the studio, and then uh, for whatever reason, like you wouldn't answer my phone calls, you wouldn't answer my texts, Snapchats, nothing. And it just so happened that like when I showed up, um. When I showed up, it was like lights off, door shut, dude wouldn't answer, and I go to open the front door, wasn't locked. Surprise, surprise. Dude, and, I'm uh, from Montana. I'm not gonna <laughs> lock my doors. Now you know, that I live in Tacoma, I lock everything. No, but like the the front door was unlocked, so I walked in and motherfucker, you were just sleeping. And I think I walked in, I slapped you in the face, and I was just like, dude, get up. Like, we have shit to do today, literally all day. And, uh, yeah, you're just in your underwear. Just woke Sorry, up. Sorry, I had to see that. <laughs> That's, I'm dude, not. Yeah, I lived with Austin, I lived in Austin for, for way too many times. and uh, You've seen me in way less than underwear. <laughs> I've seen you in literally nothing, and it's emotionally damaging to me. Yes, I did. Um, but, so, I, I don't really remember. So, that was the... Oh, because you showed up the night before we were supposed to record. I gave you like a studio tour and we kind of hung out. And then Grace was supposed to be there at like at 8 a.m. And your flight got like delayed till like 2. No, I was supposed to be there that that night that Austin showed up. I was supposed to get to the airport at the same time as him. But my flight was canceled. And I was stranded in Charlotte Airport. And got, like, no sleep that night. So that's why I fell asleep during your bass takes. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. Those bass takes were pretty fucking dope. But honestly... They're soothing. I had to fall asleep. Yeah, they were soothing because I played it safe. I wish it would have been a little more adventurous on it. Like, what do you mean? So, on Shell, for example, I'll just <coughs> I'll just say the... You struggling? <coughs> poor man anyways on shell i was really struggling on the guitar take because i wanted to play it safe usually instead of playing it straight i would do some little embellishments on it or on um that bass take specifically on crunch i would do some weird things on ips i might adventure out a little bit but i played it safe for that specific bass take and then mm, oh vacant i definitely played it safe on that one too which is weird because i think that vacant is like one of the stronger bass songs on the whole grace wrote that freaking song in your dad's garage (laughs) I'm not oh, going to yeah. take all the Vacant, credit for that. I think Vacant wasn't originally supposed to be on the EP, but when we were doing like the scratch tracks and shit, it we like kind of worked it out, right? Um, I think it was supposed to be yeah. on the EP. 
but we didn't have a bass part even written when we were <laughs> gonna do the scratch tracks so yeah, we were trying to just think of one <laughs> grace was so like oh you wrote a gr- you wrote a great baseline for in plain sight so do it for all all the other songs but i can't do, <laughs> do it again i can't do it again and i felt the pressure on that and i can't write amazing bass parts and guitar parts at the same time so she really stepped up on that one and wrote the bass part for vacant yeah, and luckily Austin taught me how to play bass a year Grace before. Grace on the bass. Grace bass. Grace bass. No, she really <laughs> took to it. I showed her how to play IPS and In Plain Sight and Longview. And <laughs> then and I went... Longview? Yeah, man. Then I went to Jordan for six months and I came back and she's just ripping up the bass, just tearing it up. So good. So I felt really confident in asking her for vacant, like, what do you want to do? Cause I was coming up with some bad bass lines. Like I handed her my bass. Like, what do you want to do in your dad's shop? And she came up with the vacant bass line, which is really kind of a complex bass line. It's super crazy. Um, yeah, do you guys want to kind of talk about a little bit of <laughs> doing the scratch tracks in my dad's shop? You mean drinking 125 Miller Lights between me and you <laughs> in because three days? It, or? it was like, um, I came home for Christmas, like from living in Arizona, and I think you had just gotten home and you were like coming to visit. And yeah, I just came home and Grace just happened to be coming to visit me at that time and you were here and you were here and you were here <laughs> anyways <laughs> it's so cringy yeah like the in- intent of my visit was to work on the scratch tracks um, yeah she really pushed yeah. that and so your dad's shop was the best place to do it because but also like the worst because we when you guys came out it I don't know, whenever you showed up, we, like, had some dinner, hung out, got, like, the little, you know, quote-unquote home studio set up, and then it was just negative 30 for three fucking days in a row. I was chill, though, because we just cranked your dad's heater in the shop. (laughs) My dad's, my dad's, uh... The propane heater. The propane bill for his heater was, like, 200 bucks (laughs) in in that month. (laughs) But he loved it. He was so supportive, too, because Grace, Grace is a vegan, and really... My dad is, like, a avid hunter outdoorsman. Yeah, really, like... eating fucking psychopath. eating man. And it was really nice, right, Grace, to have a... Like, hunter, meat-eating, conservative man to, like, support you in your vegan ventures. Because he was like, oh, like, I'm sorry, like, let me get you a black bean burger or get some Impossible Burgers going. And he was like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, like, show you all my taxidermy. And he's like, a little apologetic. And he came out and, like, helped us write the songs, too. Like, his, his suggestions made it onto the record. Yeah, your dad was the most positive part of the scratch recording experience because we were all like <laughs> kind of pissed off at each other. 
but your dad was like being encouraging and grilling Beyond Burgers and random shit for us. You're probably the first and only vegan person my dad will like ever meet in his life. <laughs> yeah, that's probably. And I, I definitely feel like he was like overcompensating a little bit. But no, he's he's so nice. And and the thing too, like uh, we were talking about this earlier today also, like some of his like, um, you know, only listens to like Creed and like classic rock radio. Some of his production like actually made it onto the record and it like is some of the brighter parts of the whole thing. The like, ending of Vacant. The ending of Vacant. Which like, is beautiful. That whole, fucking that whole ending. fade out I, is, is amazing. We couldn't figure out how to end the song and he gave us that advice so like yeah kudos to aaron which which is crazy too because like (laughs) it's one of those things which like you know it invalidates every producer ever where like you know they think they're they're doing the right thing some blue collar worker (laughs) drinking miller light decides that they have the best ending to a song some construction worker like (laughs) Uh, business owner guy comes in and he's like, hey, why don't you just like repeat that line and fade it out? And it just fucking works. Like it sounds so good. And it, and it stuck. <laughs> it stuck. But he was so supportive too. Oh, of yeah. all of the songs. Also kind of funny is my sister came up with a ending for In Orbit. The little pianos. Oh, like the, the little the, the, like arpeggio at the, at the end. Yeah. The arpeggios. Oh, that was Kat? Yeah. Big shout out to Kathleen Horvath. Good job. Like, thank you for that. It's nice to get an outside perspective sometimes because, you know, musicians just get so caught up in our own stuff. We do, especially as a guitar player. Like, I'm a bass player and guitar player, so I'm full of myself because I'm like, I do both. And I do both. Yes, you do both. And you do it better than me, probably. Yes. Because I'm so full of myself yeah. that <laughs> I just get so caught up in my bullshit that I can't <laughs> I can't see it from a other perspective, like what you're saying. You write some really genius stuff, but sometimes you think all of the stuff you write is genius. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Which well, and coming from uh the perspective of someone who lived with has, me has has lived with and written probably <laughs> a couple dozen songs with Austin now motherfucker just like writes five riffs and if though <laughs> they, they don't fit together like it's a me problem and not like a him problem Bruh, so. i don't know about that mix it better i don't know about that mix, that's your fault mix it better <laughs> anyways i feel like we should revive some fern quill shit Back in the day, like four years ago, man, we we did some cool stuff. It was really fun, but horrible audio production, horrible yeah. guitar playing. It was not in time. Good ideas. Well, so but we couldn't execute the end product. Yeah. And I'm so happy that we can finally release something to represent that end it- product that I wanted. To uh to give a little background, Fernquill is, I guess, our fake pseudonym for a band that we made that Quasi never did anything. Band, yeah. yeah, and uh, no, th- like what you were saying is, when I was like teaching myself how to record four or five years ago, 
we just like literally jumped in and was like, oh, I bought this thing. Let's play guitar a lot. And, and I was like, yeah, I just bought it. <laughs> I just bought a fucking Ozzy Osbourne phaser pedal. Let's fuck around. No, you with got it. the like black, yeah, the Black was, Label was, Society uh, Zach fucking phaser. What's pedal. his name? Zach Wild. Zach Wild band. phaser pedal. Yeah, it was sick. But so I played in jazz band and shit, but I didn't really feel like I had to play in time in jazz band because jazz is like we're playing like fucking bebop and crazy shit where there's no time there's no key you just fucking feel it out and i'm playing trombone or guitar doing whatever or playing megadeth by myself in my room with no click track so i just (laughs) fucking play whatever and solo over whatever and then i get with bubba tristan I, yeah. Hey, hey, By man, the way, nobody Tristan, on this fucking podcast knows that people call me Bubba, yeah, so I'm Tristan, cutting that shit out. So I get with Tristan, and <laughs> he says, "You have horrible time." I'm like, "I know." Like, let's fix it. So I start practicing to a metronome, start doing some bullshit at home, playing scales, playing chord progressions, writing songs to click tracks. And we start actually making some decent music, but my guitar tone sucks. His audio production is not ideal, and we're trying to make things happen, and we got the singer, Blaine Towley. Yeah, shout out Blaine, dude. Shout out to Blaine. That guy fucking can sing so good. So we wrote this song, and we're like, this is it. We're, we made it. And then we listened to it and we're like, we didn't make it. <laughs> nah, and, we, and like, and like we both mixed it and we both spent so much time like trying to make the song sound good. Cause yes. dude, we spent like, there's like 60 tracks on that song. Yeah. Of us just doing like guitars and, and like program drums and like bass and this Piano and that. And, and pia- and yeah. Keys, <laughs> there's synth. There's yeah. so much going on. Yeah. I, you know, I'd be curious Harmonizing to... Harmonizing guitars. I would be curious to, like, reapproach that song now. And see I if thought I about it, man. Like, th- see if I can't remix it into, like, something good. But... I kind of want to make it a prickly song, but I want to reach out to Blaine. Because I, I won't play that song without him. Well, and, and the whole... Like, He's part of that song. Like, uh, not to, like, step on his toes, but... Blaine's whole thing with the song was like he wrote it to his like then unborn unconceived child about like how he was afraid to be a father and being a bad dad and then and like and then like after he bullshit, recorded it yeah. his wife got pregnant and he actually had a son is he a good dad do you think yeah he's a great I dad. bet you he's, he's a, a great he's a great dad. dude so he's probably a great dad I yeah. bet you he's an amazing dad oh yeah but like it, yeah it's one of those things like we should probably ask him if we want to like use the song because I want to fly him out here to Tacoma <laughs> and like it sounds have like him. you just want to fly everyone out here yeah this yes. is the third person on the last half hour we've been talking that you, you want to fly to I, Tacoma. I want you Jake fucking Blaine out here 
That, what an amazing band that would be. Are you we, kicking me out as a singer? No, you are the fucking bread and butter, the bones of the band. The, we the just need un, some we undisputed need some, backbone of PP. We need some dope-ass drums. We need some screams. Blaine can do that. How else do you want Blaine and I to sing together? Yeah, I wish I could sing. Seriously. Well, have you heard the song, Grace? To my son. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure Austin's probably played it to you like many times. 75 times yeah. at this point. It's but. such a good song, man. <laughs> the ending is so cool with that mon- like that dialogue. It's not, yeah. not even like speaking. It's so good. Okay, let's get back on track. Yeah, we're to, getting to some, to some prickly stuff. Fuck um, yeah. Grace, I would like to ask you, um, because... You're the main songwriter for, I would say, most, if not all of the prickly stuff. What is your approach to writing a song? Um, So, like I said, I have just like pages and pages of lyrical ideas. And a lot of times I'll just grab my guitar, usually acoustic guitar, and just like play random chord progressions and sing over it and try to come up with cool vocal melodies and something sticks. Then I take out my phone and do a voice memo and, you know, listen to it later, see if it sounds good the next day. So that's usually how it goes. But since moving in with Austin, a lot of times he's just like playing some cool guitar thing and like I'm not that great at just jamming with him when he's like off in his own little world so which is often yeah that's like all the time so then I'm like all right I'll jam with you vocally so I pull up my freaking notes app one of my hundreds and just try to like come up with something you know some melody with these lyrics that may or may not be any good and that's how my songwriting's been going recently yeah so recently um you just touched on but um i know that like especially being the person who who mixed and edited a lot of your songs i've heard them hundreds of times a piece and i know that like a lot of them are kind of deep and personal and um seem like they come from like a like a what's the word i'm thinking of like an internal place passionate yeah like is there any like specific uh inspiration for any of these songs that are on the ep we just put out or you just guys you guys just put out that um like struck home or anything with that um in orbit is probably like the song that means the most to me it's about grieving um, I lost my mom when I was 19, and then a couple of years later, I lost my uncle, my mom's brother. So In Orbit is just about your life changing after losing a loved one, and like you're never going to go back to the way things were in the former version of you, and you just feel kind of disconnected from the rest of the world because like, you see other people, and they're all happy like they don't even know that the most important person in your life just died so 
in orbit, the title is about just kind of not really being in the same reality as other people, but you're kind of just like on the outside, never able to, I don't know, find that happiness that you see other people enjoying. Like you're just like, like literally like stuck in an orbit, like kind of outside of everyone, like the different perspective and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Can't Um, reintegrate into life. Yeah. And in terms of like an, an overall production too, like, in Orbit is the perfect song to end the EP on, too. Oh, thanks, man. Like, the, the way that you guys um, put all those songs together and put it out is, like, exactly how I think that I would have done it, too. Thank you so much for that. We stressed about the order. <laughs> but I I think In Orbit is object- objectively the best song on the album. Like, oh, yeah. It really just hits home so hard for anyone who's lost a loved one or just wants to listen to a grooving tune like it, it it evolves you know like people die in car crashes and that's pretty instant but anyone who's seen someone suffer from some disease that progresses it's kind of the same way in orbit progresses you know structurally and sonically and we and grief progresses to you know the stages of grief seven stages of grief yeah and we try to touch on each of those you know we try and touch on you know the denial part i don't remember the exact seven stages but there's denial there's like anger there's acceptance and we try and put those stages through the song so that we can carry you through this journey from someone who's suffering and grace really nailed that on the head of the nail yeah (laughs) and like specifically within orbit too like i don't know if it was intentional like during the songwriting process or if it just like was a you know happy accident but you had the whole slow buildup um, with like the first couple of verses. And then when you guys go into that six, eight break, like obviously six, eight comes, it's, a, little, it's chaos, it, it comes a little quicker. It's, it's crazier at that point. And then the whole rest of the song and the last chorus, That's like death, like, yeah, six, eight, it goes fast. Like it's coming, it's coming too quick. You, It's over before you know it. And like, mm-hmm. yeah, like structurally and like, the the song like is a great and then thematically it it fits really well so that's my favorite song in the whole album i think like, it's my favorite one too yeah it's so so good it really makes you think about life also i think musically it has the best chords has the coolest transitions the coolest choruses and that like little, I guess you call it a breakdown, right? Like in the middle. Yeah, the, the six eight the part six, eight where, the, is, where is, the guitar solo is, and then the bass and drums come in. That's just chaos, organized though, because you know that it's happening, but you don't know how to process it. Mm-hmm. And then the song slows down, and that's why I thought great. Well, we thought it was the way to end the album is like the death of, yeah. of 
a loved one, which we treat every song. Like Grace and I say all of our songs are our kids. And that's like the death of our death of our kids or the death of our loved ones or the death of anyone we care about. And that last chord that she she played in the studio was so haunting. And she did it in one yeah. take. It's it's like the the build up, it's out of time, it's it's this whole thing, and then it's so like good. a little sour. It's that sour. last piano chord is just a little it's sour. It's not. It doesn't end perfectly on the it, one yeah, or the five resolve, or anything. It doesn't do nothing. It just yeah. leaves you wondering. Like that's what grief's all about. I mean, in orbit doesn't reach the acceptance stage of grief. Yeah, it's just feeling unsteady. We're like shell, crunch, vacant. They all end on like. A definite note. Yeah. All of our songs do. Even Lycan kind of does. Lycan is a guitar solo ending, so it ends on a little weird note. But I we debated Lycan or In Orbit to end end the EP. Yeah, I but, like the uh, like the upbeat, like in your faceness of Lycan. And then straight into like something that makes you feel well, something. Well, because the end of liking, like liking is not a happy song. Yeah, it's you want to really dive fucking... into like the writing process of liking a little bit, um, because it's it's a bit split, right, we between like four years ago and like when you guys were yeah, a band together. So liking was the saddest time of my life. Like we had just moved into our apartment together. Me and you, Tristan, and <laughs> you went went away for like a some sort of fucking maybe Valentine's Day with your girlfriend, and I had the house to myself, and I'm like, I'm writing a song, and you showed me how to use Studio One and like record. So I had and I had a DI box. Like we went to fucking Piccolo's Music in Helena, Montana. <laughs> Is it fucking the DI box that you shit. have? Like that green. Whatever the hell that's down there. Yeah, we bought that shit. And so I'm like, I'm going to record a song tonight. Did that. And I had been watching some fucking YouTube videos about how to make guitar sound big. Like, okay, I hear that. Do like four takes, two on each side, whatever. But I was just trying to do something weird. So the intro... I was like, all right, I'm just going to do something a little weird. And I I didn't do one long take. Now when I play music or record music, I do like a long take and do the whole song. Back then, I do section by section. You did like riff by riff. So I did. And yeah. So I did the whole first part of the intro, copy and paste second part of the intro then i add leads onto it with the you know high guitar parts and then made a weird noise with the tuka 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 it goes into the verse and just played simple chords on that and i wanted the chorus i was listening to a lot of the strokes and reptilia really <laughs> fucking inspired me on that because we were talking about how like the the baseline for like is basically just 
a rip of Reptilia from the Strokes, It's right? not, though. It's not. So I thought it was, but it's not even the same. So I looked at it, and I've been, like, comparing them. It's not the same, but it's, like, based off of Reptilia by the Strokes to try and... Uh, based off of... Based. But, yeah, so I tried, tried to, like, do something like that because I thought that was a genius song. And I was also listening to a lot of Foo Fighters at the time and Chili Peppers. So I was trying to not play like root notes, you know, on the guitar. So I was trying to like Frusciante from Chili Peppers doesn't doesn't play root notes. He plays the bar chord without the root note. So I just put it way up on the guitar neck super high and that's what the chorus is and that's where the bass is that was inspired by the strokes with reptilia and then i brought some iron maiden like harmonies in because i love harmonies i'm fucking obsessed with that shit fucking love harmonies. clearly yes very clearly obsessed with harmonies. i I have like three guitars on that recording that are harmonies and just kind of put it put all my influences into one song and then woke up the next day and i was obsessed i'm like clay james jameson fucking tyler anyone listen to this fucking song and when i showed it to you you were like dude this sounds sick no i i dude i was blown away because i showed him on like in your room you did it like in our house i did it on yeah yeah i did it on my computer and then like panned them and went plugged it into your studio monitors which i didn't have any at the time into your room and you're like Damn, bro, how the fuck did you do that? <laughs> and I was I I was like showing all my friends. I'm like, oh, look at this. This is so cool. I'm like, fuck yeah, that's awesome. But I was like a little too excited about it. I'm like, listen, listen, listen. Yeah. And everyone was like, okay, yeah, we get it. It's it's cool. Did you know what the song was gonna be about when you were writing the instrumentals? Uh, I thought it was gonna be about a fucking russian submarine originally what? yeah like some world war ii that's a iron maiden fan right there writing about history i was literally writing about history and then i got did sim- you have like, any sample read- lyrics from it- your submarine song? did you like read the hunt for red october like the night Fuck before? no man i was i was just playing my music and like after that i spent one day and i'm like oh maybe i'm gonna make it about a world war ii theme and then i'm like oh that's that's kind of dumb let's make something (laughs) that i'm gonna be actually passionate about like i can feel and other people can feel so i was like what if i write about my inner demons my own fucked up psyche or like but make it like lustful so like i'm I'm a fucked up person and I'm giving into it, but I'm also going to be a little spicy with it sexually. A little horny about it. Yeah, a little horny. People love that shit and I love that shit too. It's a great thing to write about, so. (laughs) (laughs) You're so gross. 
bro. I was bro. talking about being horny but pooping your pants. I'm sorry. Okay, okay. I'm going to leave your fart in the podcast. I'm not cutting that out. Yeah, you better. Okay, bring it together. Deep breath. <laughs> Fuck your deep breath, man. No, so I'm, no, I was like, all right. I'm just going to write about my inner demons and not being able to control any of the shit, including my farts or my sexual tendencies. Who cares? So then in terms of prickly paranoia, since obviously that song was written like several years before um, in the recordings and then then in, in the performance, like Grace, you are like the lead singer for that now. Um, is it a weird transition? Like, singing and performing somebody else's song and somebody else's vision or is it natural for you for that it's definitely weird especially when it's so sexual i know you're uncomfortable yeah. with that um maybe a little for the longest time i didn't even think you wanted lichen to be a prickly song i was embarrassed about it why I, you're such a magnificent songwriter. I didn't think I could compare anything that I would write like to your songs. Lichen's so good, though. Yeah, it's a banger, but I was still like embarrassed. I thought that your songs were so much more in depth, yeah, and serious. When my song, like Lichen, is actually serious because I wrote it when I was the saddest point in my life. I didn't mean it to be, like, just a sexual thing. It was, like, embracing your inner demons, like, being a bad person and hating yourself. Yeah. But embracing it. I think it fits in well with Prickly now. I mean, at first it was a little weird, but I changed some of the lyrics and... Yeah, now it's ours. I was staunchly against that. So, no, I remember when we when yeah. we recorded it, we we had to shake a couple things up, and yeah. it was a bit of a it was a fiasco. <laughs> like I was but. saying before, you come up with a lot of genius things, but you don't like people fucking with like my thing. Well, criticizing a, in any way, or I get so self conscious. Well, you had a bad case of uh, demoitis. Oh, I'm yeah. liking, yeah. I yeah. probably spent... Specifically liking. Well, because that's the first song I recorded on my computer. So I spent like probably a 200 hours. hours fixing it. Yeah. Making it perfect. And I think the... So it was really a big jump for me to just record it new completely. Yeah. And I added a new section, actually, the little instrumental section after the second verse was not in the original song the like lead soloy type part yeah uh, yeah yeah and i would i would have dearly loved to make some more like effects on that part of it and to not have it be so straightforward i wanted more like iron maiden-esque like Somewhere in time or like seventh son of the seventh song, no, like eighties vibes. Somewhere in time. That's like one of the words. You had deja vu and then a shitty album. Well, somewhere in time. I wanted more like synth stuff going on. Yeah. In that yeah, part. Yeah. 
And we didn't have time to make that happen. And then the bridge after that, I wanted to record the leads because that's how the song like is written. We just didn't do it. It's non-existent. It doesn't happen. Like the song is completely different from how I envisioned it in the in the bridge part when like and howl crying loud in that part. Yeah. Cause I I I spo- I'm supposed to have leads there with like really big chorus effects, really big uh like phaser, like a lot of things happening, but nothing. It's just chords and Grace's voice. I don't That's think that why it... I didn't sing in that part too, because I was really hoping to have that, but I didn't think that it was important enough to put into the song when we were recording. We had more important things to do at that time. Oh yeah. And and on top of like having a <clears throat> strict deadline and like so yeah. much other stuff to do like i would yeah. rather have keys than have some leads in there grace killed that part her voice yeah. sounds so good so i was like fuck it and then the best fucking sounding part in the album i think besides in orbit is jake's drum fill right that after drum that fill right after <laughs> the second <laughs> yeah, dude yeah, yeah. Right so the we, didn't, we didn't have to fucking fix anything in that because that drum fill made up for it so oh, I was yeah. like, I'm chilling with it. Let's do the keys oh, yeah. instead. Um, so in terms of the the EP that we recorded, Grace, like what is like your standout song, standout moment? Like what's what's your favorite part of the whole thing? Like the recording process? Uh, the recording process or like just like the finished product, like, you know, a finished song, the finished moment, like. When you are thinking of the whole EP, like, and you're like, oh, I want to show someone 30 seconds of this whole project. Like, what is your standout moment? I think a lot of people I've talked to, like my family and I think Austin, too, their favorite part is the little breakdown slash chorus in Crunch. Because I sing it like... I don't know, with a lot of passion and sing it in a different way than I like when you normally get real, sing. When you get like real grungy kind of you halfway through. You get jazzy yeah. with it. You really like show your full potential. You go from sad girl singer to like a whole different level. Actually, I I, I kind of agree. Like I love that moment in that song. I remember when you sang that moment in the studio. I looked over and uh Jaylee Yeah, because Jake was came crying in and was hanging out, yeah. She was crying and Tess, our <laughs> our intern at the intern time was crying who too. Unfortunately and got I fired. was crying too. Like we were all like holy fuck when you hit that high note, like we we were all just weeping. Like it brought emotions onto us because you're singing about suicide. Yeah. And we all feel that emotion most people i feel like nowadays feel that and the crazy thing is that part of the song almost didn't happen because um the song crunch is based off of the charles bukowski poem called crunch and i 
structured the original song just like a poem, like, you know, four stanzas and, you know, shared it with Austin and he really liked it. And it was like a last minute addition to the EP. We almost didn't do it. But it was like, we have to. We kind of agreed that, you know, just with four stanzas, it was, it needed something. So when we were in Tristan's dad's garage. Shout out to Aaron. <laughs> Miller Lite, let's go. We like kind of had a, a little meltdown because we just could not figure out what direction to go with like, you know, how to break up that song. But luckily, Austin came up with some chords for it and then um Tristan sent me that track and I was just listening to it over and over like in my car driving to work and like at home if my roommates were gone and eventually came up with the little chorus part it really pulled it together because the song's about a sad guy but what's he sad about? And then when you get to the chorus, because the song's weird, Crunch. It's yeah. choruses and then, or verses and then chorus verses. It's two, one, chorus, whatever that is. It's like, I don't know how many bars, but chorus and then two verses after that. And it really brings it together because it really lets you know how fucking sad that guy is like that. He, he's so sad. He wants to fucking kill himself, but he's trying to make, make an effort and make some, make a list of reasons to live. And that part is the epitome of the song about like, you want to kill yourself, but you're making reasons you're trying to convince yourself not to and actually the inspiration for those lyrics came after a therapy session um that was an like a homework exercise my therapist told me to do is like make a list of reasons I like myself and <laughs> I couldn't come up with any and as I was like writing or not writing my list I was writing the crunch course instead that's a reason to live well that is like uh like typical songwriter too right like you just you're you're doing the art you're not doing like the self-preservation i heard someone uh yesterday is actually a person that i was working with but they said what if someone said to Kurt Cobain, write a happy song. <clears throat> Who, because we've had this criticism before, and I've had yeah. this criticism to Grace myself, write a happy song. Yeah. But I Why had do you a, only write sad girl stuff? Uh, yeah, but I had a client that talked to me yesterday that said, what if Kurt Cobain only wrote happy, or someone said, to Kurt Cobain write a happy song that would be like maybe he'd write about beans <laughs> like you heard the fucking beans song no <clears throat> fucking write about the fucking hard shit and just embrace it 
And that's what crunch is all about. Like just embracing the hard times and trying to figure out some shit in life. Oh yeah. Well, and, and crunch too. Like, um, like I love the song on the, the on the EP. Uh, it's a great and like the, the the middle section that we were just talking about like is one of the like standout sections of the whole EP. Your voice is so good, Grace. On that and one. the the reason like that that note you were talking about like that high note. Were we we were all weeping in the fucking studio Dude, when yeah, she recorded it that? It was it was one of those things where it was like when you hit the note. I mean, we we did a couple takes, mm-hmm. and then when Probably you hit about three takes when you hit it, it was just like fuck like that's that's the take yeah it was was there's not many moments when you're recording that you're when you're recording you're like yep that's good that's good but there's moments where like yes this is the fucking take and she fucking nailed that oh yeah when people yeah people are weeping another moment when you fucking nailed that is the um another time when you strayed from your normal singing, which is great. I love it. But in orbit, on the last section, when you're talking about the moon and you're looking up at the moon, that fucking part is so good. Because we have the whole instrumental part. And then we go into the 6-8 and... You come out with these belting, beautiful vocals. Oh, yeah. That just fucking take you over. It's so good. (laughs) That, I mean, I, you didn't ask me for my standout point. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm just going to answer it for you already. My standout point is in orbit when Grace sings that last part of the song oh it's because you know it's because you know that part was about you Mm. maybe Mm. maybe i mean i'm just being honest like maybe i'm biased towards that if i'm being unbiased i'm just gonna say lichen's the whole best fucking part (laughs) because i that's the yeah because it's the song that you wrote three years before you recorded the whole album that's the only song i wrote entirely so (laughs) i'm just gonna claim that no anyways no in orbit that part is so freaking moving like not just to me but when we're playing that today to the crowd i look out and i see our neighbors like looking at each other like with loving eyes look out to the crowd people were really connecting to it and it was really awesome like most of our songs i don't feel like people connected with but at that moment i looked out and i see people connecting with each other looking at each other and that to me is why I feel like at this moment I think that's the most imp- the coolest my favorite part of the album yeah when I play I can't make eye contact with people because then I mess up so I have to like stare the tops of people's heads 
That's good like, though. Picture him naked or something like that. I don't picture him naked. Or just like how, like stare straight ahead and have my eyes blur out. But... I usually look above their heads. Yeah, and that's the, what like I just look said. out to the crowd. Yeah, same thing. Look, look up. Bro, I, I, I could not today. Like look out to the crowd. I was mainly playing guitar, but the goal is to like look over the crowd and try and connect with them. And I saw that in, on the song in orbit, last song we played. I think it's the best song in the album, honestly. I on the EP. Think I'd have to agree, yeah. I mean, especially recording, like your backup vocals on the second verse are so good. It's cool to get into recording because I've never harmonized with myself before. So that's one of like my favorite parts of recording and did a little bit on my own like to prepare for actually getting in the studio. So, the band name Prickly Paranoia. Where'd that come from, guys? Well, we were recording in plain sight in Kuwait, and Austin had this sticker on his laptop. It was Lewis and Clark Prickly Pale, Prickly Pear Pale Ale. Mm-hmm. And so good. I mentioned it. I was like, oh. I love prickly pears because I was living in El Paso at the time and it's like, yeah, cacti are pretty kick ass. They are super cool, but you didn't like pale ales, which is fine. No, I mainly was just commenting about the prickly pears and prickly pear anything is usually pretty cool. Yeah, usually tasty too. And then we... Got to thinking that that'd be a good, like, symbol for the band because prickly pear cacti can survive in, you know, a bunch of different locations, you know, adverse circumstances and weather. Yeah, Um, prickly pears are resilient. Exactly. Also, cactuses are paranoid. Like, they have spikes. They're always on guard. So, they're always paranoid and have so much resilience and that's kind of where we bonded a little bit it's kind of a tough exterior soft interior type of deal too oh true really never thought about it that way <laughs> so also i actually also haven't thought about it that's that way re- but it makes a ton of sense that's yeah. really cool actually about how they're tough on the outside but really soft on the inside which I don't know about the fans, but Grace definitely knows that I'm a I'm a cancer, so I'm Yep. I'm a soft little crab. I'm hard on the outside and <laughs> soft on the inside. I'm a very sensitive person. And so I really relate with the cactus and feel like the band in general, we wanna put off like a nice little tough vibe. We're pretty fucking sensitive. We're pretty soft. Pretty oh, yeah. easy going. I lay out all of my feelings in the songs. Yeah, for sure. But that's a nice 
you know, transition to resilience. Like, you're really tough for putting out your feelings. Yeah, I mean, writing helps me, like, understand what I'm going through. And putting my thoughts into songs is really rewarding to actually make something out of my pain. Isn't it crazy when you hear, like, the rock? the rough demo the rough draft of a song and then fine-tune a little bit and then get to the final product of a completely polished song produced by tristan which was fucking awesome (laughs) not a shameless plug that's fucking awesome this guy's great but it's awesome to hear our songs like become soft little ideas and they get more resilient and fucking tougher the more Tristan fucking works on them the more we work on them and then like the soft innards are still being heard by the people the soft innards (laughs) that doesn't make any sense to me I'm done with that (laughs) we're cutting it out we're cutting it out that's bad You saw my train of thought a little bit. No. Yeah. (laughs) Where do we restart? So, with the name Prickly Paranoia, uh, I know that you guys call your fans pricks. Is that a term of endearment? Or is that an insult? Or what's the kind of motivation behind that? Oh, it's definitely endearment. It's just kind of recognizing that, like, we all screw up and act like assholes, but... You know, just accept it and, you know, acknowledge your mistakes. Austin, how do you feel about your fans? You know, I love my fans. I think all of us are pricks and I'm definitely the biggest prick. True. Yeah. So (laughs) by calling our fans pricks, I'm just extending a little bit of myself out to the fans and... Hopefully they can relate with me a little bit because I'm a piece of shit. Like, I'm an asshole. I'm a prick. And maybe some of them can relate with that. Also, I feel like Grace has the most relatable lyrics. Like, in terms of mental health, in terms of being a prick, in terms of anything, just not conforming to being the perfect person. Just making it okay to be a little fucked up. Because we're all fucked up, right? Oh, yeah. It really sucks to have the realization that you're a prick. But when you embrace it and you're like, yeah, I'm a prick and I made mistakes, but that doesn't make me a bad person. Yeah, it's like getting over self-hatred, not just dwelling on it, but, you know, learning from your mistakes. Yeah. Trying to be better. We're, you can be a good person and do bad things, but that doesn't make you a bad person. Just because you've done a couple of bad things, like making a mistake. So you guys aren't trying to be like uh, fucking Swifties? No, know. man. No, man. <laughs> no, we're trying to be good people. Like, it's hard, though, isn't it? Isn't it hard to be like a good person and think about yourself as a good person? I think the the noble way is often the hardest. True, because if you're like, I'm a good person, 
are you like trying to tell people you're a good person or are you actually a good person? It's hard to tell the difference sometimes. Earlier, you guys briefly touched on how being a band long distance was kind of affecting everything. And how did that work out for you guys being a band long distance and then now living together in a house in Tacoma? Yeah, so we were doing the long distance bandmate thing for about eight months and I would record some like voice memos or like really basic recordings and send it to Austin. He'd tell me if he liked it, but it wasn't really that collaborative because it's just so tough to do that like via text or like trying to communicate things on the phone. It's just way easier to be in the same room. Yeah, that shit was so hard. Like one of the best things I think for Prickly is giving you the DI box or the interface so you can record things and listen back because your harmonies on the record are so fucking good, which you probably would have done them anyways, but since you could record them, you could remember them. And it was so amazing to hear like in orbit or vacant space or lichen harmonies, which would have otherwise not been manifested. It was so cool to hear that and you would send it to me and I'm like, yes, this is what has to be on the record. And you nailed it. Yeah, it was really fun to experiment with recording for the first time. And then I would usually like uh, put the recording on my phone and I would play it in my car because that was really the only like private place I had to sing and do kind of experimental, like, you know, singing that might not sound good, like belting out. So car seat headrest did the same fucking yeah, thing. Yeah, car seat headrest vibes, yeah. you know, cars are good. It's hard vocal though boots. to sing to a microphone with a family in the house. Yeah, and we both had roommates at the time. Like, we had three roommates each, so that just made it even harder to be creative. I was even embarrassed to play music with new people. Like, when I was living in my college house in Dillon, like, what are they going to think if I'm just experimentally playing guitar? And then I find the one cool chord progression or cool riff, whatever you say like when you're experimenting people think that it sounds horrible and it does yeah a lot of times bad it really does when you're experimenting and people are like oh do you even know what you're doing and then you get really self-conscious about it yeah and when i was in my last house with two male roommates one female the upstairs roommates, the landlord, they were out of the house. And I just told my roommate, I was like, dog, there's going to be some weird sounds coming out of here tonight. <laughs> some weird <laughs> sounds coming yep, out of here. Some horrible shit. But I'm going to be singing and writing songs. And that's one of our songs we've been trying to work on. But that's probably some of the best vocals I've ever recorded on Emo One. Because you could actually, like, go all out with it. Yeah. Felt comfortable. Yeah, it felt comfortable. 
even even with you, I feel a little uncomfortable. Anybody around, I feel uncomfortable singing vocals. You said your confidence in your vocals goes down every day. It does, seriously. But I feel like the confidence in your vocals goes up with the amount of beers that you've had in the day. <laughs> Fuck. No, it's not beers. It's fucking tequila and vodka is what makes the confidence or go Or like up. a tequila, what is it, margarita mix straight out of the plastic bottle from my dad's no, garage no, no, maybe it's fucking blackberry brandy that fucking gets me off that on the vocals. That doesn't do anything for anyone, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Um, how has the songwriting process been, like, changed since f- moving from Virginia and Montana to now you guys both living in Tacoma? It's substantial. It's amazing. It's, it's so crazy. much fun. Yes, I agree. It's incredible. We have a really nice studio space set up in one of the spare bedrooms, and just all of our instruments and amps are finally, like, out and unpacked whereas previously they were either in storage or like under the bed and like guitars kept in cases all the time so it's really nice to just have a space to go to where everything's already set up yeah it used to suck when you'd have to have like a little portion of your room set up for music recording and your laptop also serves for like work or school whatever We've done both. And in the studio, it's so nice. Like, that's where, like, we're recording here right now, just for the fans out there. It's super nice. We're super comfortable. But it really sucks when you're, like, trying to write a song with your fucking ass sitting on the edge of your bed with a stupid little fucking chair set up with your audio box, like, on the chair and like try to have a jank ass setup and you're always fighting it so you're not really able to fully embrace yourself into the music you're more focused on your setup and how uncomfortable it is but it's so nice to just come upstairs have a nice place to play and your shit's set up just how you like it and adjust your settings play a song write some shit, write some riffs, maybe throw down some lyrics on the computer, record some things, sing it maybe. And it's a game changer. We haven't done a ton of recording since moving to Tacoma, but we've done a lot of jamming and just like working on half ideas that we've had. And we have, I don't know, like five new kind of fleshed out songs i think we have like eight yeah eight fleshed out maybe like five Five half songs and five five like almost their full songs yeah five that are pretty close and five that are kind of close but it's a far cry from the distance where i'm on the edge of my bed trying to play some shit and she's on the edge of her bed bed trying to play some shit and we have to like send it to each other through the weird fucking files like it's really hard to do that but it's so nice to just be here in person and play music together and like i was saying before like sometimes austin will play something 
and I'll just like start singing over it. And I've never really written songs like that before, but we have a couple that we're working on that we wrote that way. Yeah, and it would have been impossible to do that distance. Yeah. Distance bandmates, we couldn't never have done that. And it's definitely a more collaborative process versus like on the EP, you know, like four of the songs I just wrote mainly on my own, like just with my acoustic guitar. And Lincoln, you wrote all on your own. Yeah, and Shell, I wrote all the instrumentals and then you wrote the lyrics with me. But Yeah, I mean, Shell is kind of like our only collaborative song yeah but now we're trying to find our sound because we have such an interesting mixture on the ep that doesn't make sense so we're trying to find (laughs) it really doesn't fucking make sense right hey no one can say that like all of our songs sound the same at least we won't get that exactly yeah we're each of the songs have their own parts and do interesting things we're just trying to find our sound all right, pricks. Well, we're getting to the end of the podcast here. Um, just about to wrap things up. Is there anything else you guys want to plug or anything you guys want to talk about? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> you can't say no, dude. God damn. <laughs> yeah, so we just released our EP July 7th. So we're just trying to spread the word about that. Um, we had a little house show to celebrate the release, invited some friends over, just played through the whole EP. We we're lucky to lucky enough to have Mr. Tristan Seegers on drums. It's quite the treat. Yo. I didn't even know that man could play drums, but he's Barely. pretty freaking good. Yeah, that guy fucking killed it. Such a fun night. Um, to polish the night off, you want to pass that Jack Daniels? Jesus Christ. The Jack Daniels that you were given as a birthday present. Fuck yeah, man. Yeah, because honestly, shout out Austin. Uh, 26th birthday, right? Yeah, what a horrible fucking day, actually. I mean, the only reason we put this date, put the album out today, is because I'm I'm not happy about turning 26. Let's be honest. You're that fucking wrong, sucks. You're the wrong side of 30, That fucking my sucks, guy. man. Yeah. That really sucks. But having everyone out here and playing music for the people, it made it all worth it, for sure. I mean, at least you have an EP to show for your 26 years of life. Fuck yeah. It's awesome. What do you think about it, too? Like, we started recording music when we were 22. Well, so the fact that like yeah. you have a legitimate thing coming out at 26 is uh, is is a good feeling, right? It is. I mean, rewind like what fucking 12 years ago? Yeah, 12. What is that? When we met? 14. No, what are we like 14 years ago now? Holy fuck. Yeah, we met like 14 years ago. You're in a full leg cast. I showed this guy some fucking Slipknot in the elevator. I think we talked about the peeing in the elevator at the beginning of the podcast. Nah, nah I don't think we did, but we're talking We're about not going to go into that, but <laughs> seriously, no, this guy has been a fucking rock in my life. Thanks, man. Yeah. It's really nice to have you here in Tacoma in our studio. Thank you so much. And thank you, Grace, for being such an amazing songwriter. Thank you to the pricks out there 
Love you guys so much. Yeah, we're really lucky to have a producer slash best friend hook us up. Cheers to that. I'm going to drink a little Jack Daniels. I think we should, all, we should all drink some Jack Daniels and just... Let's do a little... Let's end the podcast in a little Polski. Let's do a little round in a Polski. Jack Daniels is never as good as it fucking sounds. No, it's, it's never I'm good. good. That. Really? Well, Tristan, we'll make up for your... Yeah, I'll, I'll drink some Jack Daniels, but I won't be fucking happy about it. Yeah. It's never as good as it sounds. Damn, that's terrible. Oh my god. <laughs> Alright, well that's the end of the show we got for you tonight. Um, big shout out to Piggly Paranoia. I am so grateful that I was able to come to Seattle for the weekend and, and hang out with these guys. Uh, you can find them on Instagram at Prickly Paranoia, and you can find the show at the LSM underscore podcast. If you're interested in being on the show and coming in and talking about your music, feel free to message me at Seegers.audio or at the LSM underscore podcast. Thanks, everybody. The local scene machine. I never say dumb things. I'm the smartest person in the world. <laughs> End we're, st- that. we're still recording, and I, I'm going to put that after the... Uh... Please don't. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs>